When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us for uh, the live room. We're just working on James's audio, as everyone can hear. We have a lot to discuss. Um, we don't know 100% who the Leafs are going to face in their first round, but obviously it's looking like Tampa, and there's a lot to get into with that matchup. It's an interesting matchup, obviously, the defending champs times two. Um, I want to look at the lineup potentially for game one. Um it looks as though John Tavares and William Nylander are going to be back playing together, which I think is worth talking about. Um, Michael Bunting, it sounds like they're hoping he's going to be able to play, but it's not a sure thing. He didn't practice today with the team. They're going to practice one more time um, before game one on Sunday. So we'll see if he's able to get into that practice. And then if he gets in that practice, presumably he's good to go for game one. Uh, Jake Muzzin will play tomorrow night is the expectation with TJ Brody. They're going to want to give him at least one more game um, to get back into as much or as good a possible shape he can be in for game one, given how much time he's missed. And then uh, as far as that game 82 goes, Austin Matthews is not going to play. Mitch Martin is not going to play. Jack Campbell is not going to play. And I think James is back with us. I've been stalling long enough. James, <laughs> can you hear me? Now you're good. Now you sound great. We did it. We did it. I had to go get a different set of headphones because the Bluetooth ones would not connect. So okay. my apologies. Good. Now we can start again. Officially. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No more talking, James. All right. This is an official Leaf Report podcast uh, combined with a live room, which we've done on the app, uh, the Athletic app. If you haven't signed up to the Athletic, give it a shot. Uh, at theathletic.com slash leaf report. So thank you to all the subscribers who are with us today. We want to talk about the playoffs. James, that's your cue. You're supposed to go put, you're supposed to do your little stupid line. People are saying there's still echo. Well, hopefully we're going to have to, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else we could change. I don't hear your echo anymore, but I guess obviously other people do. Yeah. Well, Sorry about that. The, the wonders of technology. Oh, now people are saying it's better. <laughs> okay. So James, you're here just we say go. playoffs. There you go. Well, you can do it. No, you're the. That's your job to do the stupid stuff. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. People I People think you're that. so serious, and you're like the you're the jokester of the this this duo. Anyway, you've missed your opportunity. Let's talk about the the playoffs. Like I was saying before, you were having some technical difficulties. Um, it looks like Tampa. It's like, what did you tell me the other day? It's like 97% or something like Tampa. So we're going to assume they're playing Tampa. It would really be crappy for this podcast if all of a sudden they were playing Boston. Um, What are your thoughts? Like, what do you think about the matchup before we get into some questions? 
Well, how how is this for like it's it's I almost hate calling it a must-win series, but it's it feels like almost like a must-win series for the the Leafs franchise and they get to face a team that's won the last two Stanley Cups that has a formidable roster. That's their first round matchup where they they need to to get it done. I mean, talk about you know all the pressure that has been building on the Leafs all of last season, all of this season coming down to this. I mean, it's it's going to be great theater this series. I think this is going to be fantastic hockey, and these two teams are probably going to beat the hell out of each other through the you know what's going to be a long series. And you know, I, I think it really, Jonas, what it comes down to is can the Leafs play as well as they did during the regular season? I mean, they they've got 113 points right now. They can get up to 115 with a win on Friday against Boston. They've had an exceptionally good season. They've had a lot of career years and great performances throughout the lineup. Can they get it done in a series against a really good Tampa team? I mean, that's I'm really excited to see this series. Well, I think if you erase history, which you can't, um, and just like looked at the regular season, they were the better team. They were better than Tampa during the regular season. Obviously, the standings in, indicate as much. And like you can kind of pick through things um, where they have an advantage, where Tampa has an advantage. Um, if, if we're looking at the series and saying the Leafs biggest advantage in this series is where I think I know my answer pretty clearly. What's your answer? The Leafs biggest advantage, boy. Yeah. I'm putting you on the spot. I did not. Give I mean, I think, forward, I no think name. it's, I think it's fairly close. Um, you know, it, Tampa's lost a little bit of, of their depth with the players that they lost in the off season. Like they're not the same team that won the cup last year. So, you know, I think. Here, I'll give you my answer. You can continue to think. I think All their right. biggest advantage in the series, just because uh, I've been working on something ahead of this matchup, is Matthews and Marner. If Matthews and Marner are the best two players in the series, and and they are the best two players, or were the two best two players of these two teams during the regular season, and obviously you can throw certain guys in that mix, but if they're the best two players in this series, the Leafs have a very good chance of winning. The other yeah, part I just, would be... I just have a yeah. hard time... Calling that a, that much of an advantage when the other team can roll Kucherov, Braden Point, and Stephen Stamkos out there, and Kucherov and Stamkos have been the NHL's leading scorers over the last month of the season. So I don't know that the gap there is as big as it is for the Leafs against a lot of other teams. I'm not saying it's a big gap, but it's that was the best line in hockey during the regular season. I mean, you could throw one of the the Calgary top line in there, but statistically, like it's it's really hard to compare, especially you know, from like that January 15th date onward. Um, obviously, the goaltending matchup skews toward Tampa. I think Toronto's power play is a, a big potential advantage. Obviously, Tampa has a pretty good power play themselves. You mentioned depth. I've been looking a lot closer at Tampa's lineup and watching them. They're pretty deep. Like they don't have that that Goudreau-Coleman uh, Gord line that they had the past couple years. They're still really deep. They are deeper than the Leafs. And if there's one kind of thing that that makes me a little nervous for the Leafs, it's that the rest of the Tampa lineup, it, it just feels a little bit better than what the Leafs have had would be my Well, I case. wonder if you could, yeah. Could you argue that the Leafs maybe have, you know, so you think their advantage is just on that first line? Like I, yes. I, the fourth, Tampa's fourth line is clearly better. So then, you you know, you look at the second and third line and it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I It's it's such an evenly matched series. You know, I know what you're saying, but like Kucherov missed a lot of the season too, right? Like, I mean, if you extrapolate his best stretches of the season over the same sample size that Marner and Matthews have had, he's right there. I mean, he's, you know, there's another world-class player. 
Well, so just so people and you have an, an, an idea of what their lineup is looking like right now, this is like the last look we got at that their lineup. Uh, they had Palat, Stamkos, and Kucherov, top line, pretty good. Uh, their second line, Nick Paul, Braden Point, Ross Colton, who's had an awesome year. Their third line, or maybe their second line, however you want to label it, Alex Klorn, Anthony Sorelli, and Brandon Hagel, pretty good. And then their fourth line, which has been together basically the entire season, is Pat Maroon, uh, Pierre-Edouard, Bellamar, and Corey Perry. So I just think I don't really see a weak line in that mix that you can really kind of look at and say, eh. Well, there's I been some slowing down of one through four. Like, Palat, Sorelli hasn't had an amazing year. Kaloran's getting older. I mean, I think that the, that's potentially where they're not going to get as much offensive punch as you might expect. We'll see. All right. Uh, let's let's get into some questions. So if you have a question, just raise your hand and we will try to get to as many as we can. In the chat, people are asking when the series starts. We're being told Monday. The yeah. Lightning building's not available on the Saturday, so it's we suspect the first four games of the series are going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. It's going to be fun every other day. And hello to everyone around the world. Like we're not just, we've got people, I, I see Emma's from calling in from the UK. So it's pretty cool that we've got so many people um, checking this out. So let's start with Ryan H. Hey, Ryan. Howdy. How's it going, fellas? It's going great. How are you? Good. I'm actually yeah. just working. I did not think you would pick me, so this is weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I had kind of two questions. I know you just kind of answered it. You said Monday, but I want to say, isn't there a concert Monday at the Scotiabank? I have not checked their schedule, but we have not checked their schedule, but we're being told Monday game one for the Leafs. So I might um, be wrong in that, but I think there's a concert at the Scotiabank and it's John Mayer or something. It's a pretty big name. So I don't think hmm. they would cancel that, but, but I could be wrong on the day. Our commenters are saying the concert, the John Mayer concert is Tuesday. Oh, so. oh okay. James, Fair it's way. called the Sob Rock Tour. Okay. Wow. <laughs> All right, so uh, my main thing was um, just, uh, I, I kind of hate when people bring up uh, Matthews with the, with the playoff performances because I, I want to say he's been actually like really good overall. Like he's, he's generated the chances. He's, he's been very physical. Like overall, if you kind of dial into the first few games of the, the Montreal series, the Columbus series, he's actually throwing some pretty uh, big hits around. Um, he's not shying away from anything. It just seems like nothing's going his way. Um, so I know this year, I think I would expect something different, but different, but if something doesn't go different, let's say he doesn't produce, I mean, what do we, what do we really start saying about him? And especially with Mitch, like, because I don't think uh, Matthews has played bad, but Marner, I think you could argue he definitely has kind of disappeared. But everyone kind of lumps Matthews into that. And he, I don't think he has disappeared. He just hasn't got the results, which you could kind of put into the same category of arguments. But I'm just saying, like, if Matthews doesn't produce this year, what is, does that change anyone's, like, perspective on who he is as a player or – like, do we still, I would, I would obviously say it's obvious we keep him, but like, do you think anyone in management's going to look at moving him specifically if, if he doesn't produce himself? Uh, no. <laughs> and so, thank you for, it, yeah, thank you for, uh, thanks. Thanks for question. Ryan. I mean, it, you know, you know, I, w I was looking at Matthew's playoff performance. I mean, just in terms of his production, you know, he scored at a 33 goal pace. In, in the postseason 
in the NHL. He's a, he's been a 60 goal scorer and a 67 goal pace in the regular season this year. They need him to be more than a 30 goal scorer in this series. Like they they just they just do. So is it fair if you look at how many chances he's generated in in the last two or three playoffs to blame Matthews specifically for the fact that they haven't advanced? No, but they really do need him to be a difference maker. They need him to outplay the stars on the Lightning, right? Like it and if you look at how big a part of winning games the Leafs offense has been this year, they need that top line to be produ- producing. And whether they've got Michael Bunting there or not, Marner and Matthews have to have to step up and and lead this team to the second round. Don't you think, Jonas? I mean, at 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 some point you need to produce. Yes. What's interesting, James, so you look last year, Matthews shot 2.9% in the playoffs. He scored once on 35 shots. And I was actually going back and looking at it the other day. If you compared the underlying results for Matthews and Marner from the regular season last year to the playoffs, it was basically all the same. They just didn't score. And like like you're saying, like it's nice when your process is right, but like ultimately playoffs are what they are. It's a small sample size and like you have to convert. And Matthews would tell you the same thing. And I think what's interesting this year and what sets up to, to be different for the Leafs, those guys are just way better than they were last year. They were obviously great players last year. Marner is better than he was last year. Like he's he's been scoring at a 50 goal pace for half the season and obviously mm-hmm. Matthews I mean it's pretty clear what what he's become. Like I think they're set up for those guys to be better than they were before. You know, they're playing a better team though too, Jonas, right? So a much better team. All right, let's keep it moving, James. Let's go to Bilal K. Hi Bilal. Hey, how's it going, guys? Great. Good. How are you? Uh I just got two questions. Uh for the playoffs, do you really think it will come down to Lubushkin and Hall? Because if you think about it, Hall possesses the puck better than Lubushkin does. Although Lubushkin may be better in his own end, and a lot of guys just like him for his uniqueness. But And then also, would Bunting be a go for game one? Thanks, Blau. I I think Bunting is going to play. I mean, we don't know for sure. We don't know even know exactly what the injury is. I think he's going to try and play through whatever it is, is, is my suspicion. I think the Labushkin Hall conversation is really interesting. It's something I've been thinking a lot about. I th- I know the coaching staff has been thinking a lot about it. They're in a really they don't know right. Like place. I thought it was interesting. Keith was saying yeah. that they're having such a hard time deciding what they're going to do with the defense. Well, here's what I think the issue is. So to have Muzzin in the lineup, they want to play Muzzin with Brody, but that means that suddenly you need someone else to play with Riley, and you don't have Justin Hall around. That combination hasn't really played together. So where do you put Justin Hall? Well, he hasn't played with Riley. Giordano and Lilligren have played so well together. You don't want to break that up. But you also look at that top pair and you say, well, Labushkin, like that's not really ideal to be playing him that high. But who do you play there? So it seems like they I, want the gr- the grit element in in the lineup to, uh, for this series, right? Like it seems like they want to have Labushkin and Muzzin and and, and that kind of presence for the given the way that the playoffs can sometimes go. I think that's absolutely true. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things is going to be how Timothy Lilgren, if he gets the opportunity in game one, fares in that respect, because obviously that's been an issue for him. Um, the other option, James, the one I actually kind of prefer is I would play Muzzin and Hall together and I would m- maybe use that as like your third pair. 
and then maybe you get Riley with Brody and then Giordano with Lilligren and you basically have three kind of evenish pairs, but it doesn't seem that's, like the way that's the way they're going to go. But that's the that's way what I thought go. they would do. That's what I thought they would do. But I, I think that the, it's really kind of the physicality that they want to have Labushkin there, which is which but, is interesting because you know if you look at his results, they haven't been great for the last what would you say ten games. Yeah, well, they really believe that, the, and I think they're right that things change in the playoffs. Like it, you, mm. you kind of want a heavier element. But here's the thing. They can change. Like they, if if game one doesn't go great, let's say Muzzin doesn't look his best, or Labushkin looks stretched in a series against a team like Tampa that's quick and fast and can make plays, they can reorder it. Like they've tried so many different things and seen what works and what doesn't that they have options. Um, if that doesn't go as they expect, let's uh, let's keep moving. Uh, and again, if you have a question, just raise your hand, and we'll try to get to as many people as we can. Uh, thank you to everyone for for taking part. Let's go to Hubert. Hey, are you guys able to hear me? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I was just reading Pierre LeBron's article on which Canadian teams have like the best shot at a Stanley Cup, and I was a bit surprised that you know none of them ended up picking the Leafs. Uh, they raised a lot of concerns about you know the Leafs being top heavy, not having enough depth up front as well as the back, also weak goaltending. Um, that seems to kind of you know be a little different from the narrative that we read, you know, as uh, like in Toronto, I was wondering, you know, like how valid do you think those kind of concerns are and why do you think there's that kind of disconnect? That's a good question. Thanks, Hubert. Yeah. The biggest reason I wouldn't pick Calgary or Edmonton as potentially the Canadian is their path to the final and to the Stanley cup is so much easier. You know, the Leafs are going to have to go through, I mean, I know Colorado's over on the other side, so it's not that easy, but you just look at the first round matchup that Calgary is going to get, and, and I think Edmonton probably too. It's going to be just so much easier than the Leafs, so that greatly reduces their chances of of winning the Stanley Cup. If if that's the question, in terms of like the outside perspective of the Leafs, I think that in in a lot of cases people are more down on the Leafs than they probably should be. But their inability to win a playoff series and and lose when they're the favorites a couple of times now that really hampers their reputation. And I think you know. Maybe the reputation hasn't I, – I still see people around the league say things like, you know, the Leafs you need, need to be better defensively and all these things. And I think they've made such huge strides defensively just in terms of how good Matthews is, how good Marner is, how good the penalty kill is, and how much depth they have on the blue line that I think that that narrative is a little bit outdated. And you and I have said this on the podcast a few times, Jonas. If they would have had better goaltending this year, no one would be saying that the Leafs had issues defensively. Yeah, and you know what I think it is, and I think what Hubert raised as to why we look at it differently in Toronto is we're watching day to day, like we're, and so some of these people may not be following as closely as we are, so they're not seeing these changes, and they're kind of speaking about narratives that exist around the team, but may have changed. Like, yeah, they're like two years ago. I mean, I I remember we were talking about it. We did the podcast with the Montreal writers last year, going into the playoff series, and they were asking, you know, kind of about defensive play and it's like you know what the Leafs have like become like a pretty solid defensive team TJ Brody you had him this year you had Giordano um you David Kampf you look at the evolution of of players like Engvall and Mikheyev the Leafs are not they're just not a bad defensive team it's just not true anymore what they really need is they need Jack Campbell to step up and at least be league average goalie for them well and so I think like if we're looking ahead to the series James like if you're going to point to some of their weaknesses and and Hubert mentioned them and I, I've seen some of the, the questions in the chat refer to the fourth line. Um, so goaltending is one. 
like Jack Campbell has played a lot better since he came back from the rib injury, but he's going against, I would say, like, I know he hasn't been the best this year, but I think he's the best goalie in the league. Uh, he was unbelievable last year for Tampa during their cup run. He's just like, he's a monster. He's the best goalie of this generation. Like he really yeah. is, you know, he he's, really he's taken yeah. the mantle from, you know, Carey Price and Henrik Lundqvist. And so that's, I mean, you talk about, you talk about the differences between these two teams. I mean, to me, that's the biggest one in the whole thing is, is what's happening in goal. Well, and so the other one, James, is is the fourth line. And I know, you know, there's a tendency to say, well, they're, they're like, who cares? Like they're playing like a few minutes a game. It matters. Like, they, like it matters for a couple of reasons. No, number one, uh, as we saw in last year's playoffs, you know, they were dressing really old fourth lines that, that, that didn't give them anything. And in fact, what's been happening this year in the second half is their, their fourth lines are getting caved in. And so those are minutes you're losing and potentially getting scored on. And then there's the fact that if you can't use that line regularly-ish, suddenly you're having to use the other lines more. And so suddenly you're getting worn out. And if Tampa can play four lines and suddenly you're only able to play three, it's just a disadvantage, especially in a series that that looks to be as close as it can get. You know what I mean? The other thing too, Jonas, is that what we've seen is that if you have injuries up front, suddenly you need those fourth liners, some of them to be third liners. And if Great they can't point. do it, you know, like Tavares goes down three minutes into game one and the Leafs didn't have the horses on the third and fourth line. I, I like their their forward depth better this year, but the fourth line's just, it hasn't given them enough, you know, and they, they really missed Andre Kasha. And if Bunting misses any time, that's going to be a huge absence because, uh, you know, other players are going to have to move up in the lineup and... You know, they really could use, and I'm sure they would have liked to add at the deadline. Blackwell's been fine, but if they could have added a top six forward, that that's really one of the holes that was left for them to address that they just didn't really have the cap space for. Yeah, it's funny, James. I'm looking back on some of my preseason prognostications, and one of them was that they would trade for a top six winger. And obviously, they just couldn't. Uh, like, they couldn't, or they could, and it would just have been more complicated, and maybe they can't get Mark Daniel. Anyway, that's a rabbit hole. Um but we'll see. We'll see how this this pans out. I can tell people and tell you, um, Kasha practiced today, sort of. He was wearing one of the, the red non-contact jerseys. He didn't take part in any of the one-on-one contact he's part not, of he's practice. Not he's, he's not, not playing. playing. Like I don't know that he's going to play at all in the playoffs. It would have to be maybe like in deeper in the playoffs, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, let's get to JS which is not me. JS? Uh, just question for you. Actually, more of a comment and a question. Um, it's it's looking like Tampa, but there's still a chance for Boston. Because um, really, I think um, Boston just needs to win out, and then Tampa could lose both games. So there's still a chance, right? Yep. It's about 3% based on... Our, or the calculations on our site today. And then also just a, a comment with the media talking about the Leafs, they're always like, you know, they're not going to win this series, but you know, we split the season series really with them. So I think there's still a chance, right? Well, there's definitely a chance. And uh, oh, the yeah. thing too, I would say is that the Leafs have played the lightning really well for the last, what would you say, Jonas, like three or four years. Like they always have shown up for these games. And and I think stylistically, the lightning are a better matchup for the Leafs than the Bruins. Like they're not a lock it down defensive powerhouse. And the other thing too, I mean, like if you look at this season, statistically, the Leafs have been better in 
the underlying metrics, expected goals, possession at even strength. They've been better on both special teams. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really goaltending that's hurt the Leafs. So, and that's 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 a pretty big <laughs> that's a pretty big exception. But you know, there's a lot of if you look at the the way the season's played out, there's a lot of things that have been in the Leafs' favor. And and I said it off the top: this Lightning roster is not the same as last year. Like they they're they're missing those guys, Goodrow and Coleman and and Yanni Gord. They're missing those players. So. There is a little bit of vulnerability here. I think this is going to be a close series. I think it's going to be a long series. Uh, and but the, you know the Leafs need to show up and be the team that they've been all season, and they haven't been able to do that in the in the playoffs the last few years. Yeah, and I think the way these things work, like as far as like media fans, like until you do it, no one's gonna like or not no one, but a lot of people aren't just aren't going to pick you. They're they're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I think that the the only thing I would say with their their playoff drought, James, these last five series. It's really just like the last two, like the the first three are like, I don't know, like you go through each. Well, they of those didn't series. have the team. They didn't yeah. have. The, they didn't. They didn't have the roster to. You know, Washington was a much better, more experienced team than they were. President's Trophy winner. Yeah. You know, and they wanted Washington went on to win a Stanley Cup. You know, shortly thereafter, mm-hmm. Boston's team, Boston's rosters were better in those two series. I mean, and, in the second and- one, maybe. And? and James, they went to seven games and they didn't have Nazem Kadri for both of those series. So keep going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If people didn't see it, our, we had a great Nazem Kadri on the site yesterday from Peter Baugh, who's our Colorado Avalanche writer. And it really gets into some of the suspensions and what happened in Toronto and the fallout from that. And that's that's a bit of an aside. But, you know, I, I think the next, as you're saying, it's really the last two playoff series where the Leafs truly disappointed. And I, the other thing, too, I would say is, that Columbus series, I mean, do you remember what that year was like going into that? I mean, it was such a strange season. They had the coach firing. The Leafs did not play very well that year. They had Tyson Berry in the lineup. They had Cody Ceci. They did not have a great roster. They did not have a very good season. Um, that felt like kind of like a doomed year. That that was the year with the the David Ayers game, and you know, it, it's it's really last season was was the biggest disappointment that they need to wash away with playing better in this series. Yeah. And it's it's obviously a tough matchup, but like it's the playoffs. Like you're gonna face a tough t- like if they weren't facing Tampa at some point in the first round, they would be facing a team of Tampa's caliber at some point. Like the goal is not to win the first round. Like the goal is still to win the cup. Like you're gonna have to beat a good team, multiple good teams, if you want to get to where you're trying to go. Uh, let's keep it moving. Let's get to David M. David, hey guys. Um, so you kind of touched on it. A little bit earlier, uh, I think first or second question, but I was just kind of wondering who you would think the odd man out on defense would be, or if uh, they would do like the, excuse me, Dermot Sandin of last year, like revolving door where whether a guy plays well or not, they sub him in and out. Yeah, I I think there's, I think there's going to be changes over the course of the series, you know, and there's going to be injuries and there's going to be. There, there's going to be movement there. I would have thought Labushkin was going to be the odd man out, but I think they want to go into game one and get a, a taste for what the series is going to be like, the physicality, and and see how it goes. You know, I think that they they really want that element. And it's surprising they're sitting Hall because he hasn't sat very many games this year. He's played a lot on the penalty kill. He's played a lot of minutes. But it's really, I think, wanting that physicality from Labushkin and also just with how well Lilgren has played. He's played his way into into having this role in game one. Yeah, and the other thing is like, like I said, like if you want to play Hall, okay, where do you play him? I like I don't 
he fit you'd have best. To, you'd have to move he'd things fit, around. Yeah, you'd have to juggle. And and I think you're right. And I think um, the point on rotation is, is is probably on point. Like I think we'll see multiple guys in the series depending on how things go. Like if if one pair, like if if Lilligren, for example, struggles in game one and Hall doesn't play, you're likely to see Hall go in in game two. Um, and then, you know, you, they just have to hope injuries are not a thing that they're going to have to deal with because obviously that can change the series as well. Mark's asking if in the chat, if they should go with 7D. I mean, the problem with 7D is you end up scrambling your pairs throughout the game and it can really result in a disjointed bench. And it's something that NHL they teams literally are haven't lot- done it all year, James. Like yes. I, they're not NHL, starting it now. NHL teams are really reluctant to do it unless you've done it a lot during the season and the players are used to it because you have to be you have to be prepared to play with a whole bunch of different players if you're doing 7D and there's going to be probably at least one defenseman that doesn't get a lot of ice time which can be tough on them as well. The one thing I would add James um as far as like the rotation goes I think one I don't actually yeah I should say I think I think one mistake that that Sheldon Keefe made in the playoffs last year was he like over rotated like he put Remember, he took Travis Dermott out at one point and put Sandine in and took Sandine out. Like it, it, and not for like they were winning. Um, and, and Dermott had played well one game and then they took him out and then they put him back in. And then obviously he had uh, an issue, you know, in overtime. So, like, I, I think he'll be more careful. I think Sheldon Keefe is another one of like the differences from previous years. Like, he's evolved as a coach. Like, you, you think those first two playoff series, the first one he comes in midseason and then like, a pandemic just stops the season. And then obviously last year, there's still some things he, he was figuring out. And I think he's a better coach now than he was then. He's going to need to be because John Cooper is a hell of a, hell of a he's coach. He's as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the lightning are going to be breaking down every little thing. I mean, it, adjustments that for Keefe are going to be huge in this series. They're going to have to adjust because the lightning are going to come prepared with a game plan. And it's something they, the Leafs didn't do well enough against Columbus, Montreal, Boston. They did, they didn't adapt well enough to the other team throwing a different game plan at them than they expected. All right, let's keep it moving. Let's get to Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi. Uh, so after last year in the playoffs, the fan base was pretty uh, upset with the result. Do you think yes. the fan base yes. accept a first round exit again, given the season they've had and going up against the recent champs? Well, what choice do Leafs fans have? <laughs> you know, I mean, I've I've covered the team for 14 years. I mean, this fan base knows heartbreak and disappointment, and yes, they get upset. And I think what they want to see, I think if if the Leafs bow out meekly and it's four or five games, I think that's going to be a big problem. Let me put it that way. But if this is a seven game series and Vasilevsky's just better than Jack Campbell and everyone else plays well and the stars deliver. I think that's a different story. They'll still be mad. Understandably. Well, I'm not saying they're not going to be disappointed. I'm just saying, look, think about how different it is. Like if they get swept and they play like garbage the, for the, in four or five games, that's th- yeah. there's going to be bigger changes to this lineup than if they play really well and just happen to lose because of goaltending or a poor shooting percentage or whatever. No, the poor shooting percentage can't be a thing again. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Let's let's get uh to Jeff L. Hey Jeff. Hey guys. Um my my question is pretty simple. Like how excited are you guys to possibly cover a second round of playoffs with this team? Correct. <laughs> I don't think either of you have done no. that. No. I yeah, I true. have actually been to a second round 
Leafs playoff game in the press box. I was an intern at the Hockey News in 2004, and, and I went to one of the games against Philadelphia. And that was the first game I'd ever been in the press box for the Leafs. So I actually have covered one. Um, but I mean, I was a, I was a kid back then. I, I had just moved to Toronto and I didn't really know what I was doing. And, um, it's been, it's been a long time. And I, you know, it, if it's, think about it, Jonas, like if, if the Leafs can get through this series and play the, the number one team in the league, Florida in the second round, can you imagine the buzz in, in the city, especially if the Raptors find a way to pull it off and get to the second round at the same time? It would be unbelievable. It'd be great. Especially with the It'd Jays too. The Jays are good as well. Yeah, it'd be great to see for the city to. I, I love having that. Like when the Raptors won and went on that run, the excitement in the city was pretty cool. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's we're we're well versed in the disappointment and the early exits and all that stuff. So to have a little bit of a different narrative to talk about as media folks would be would be interesting for us too. James, this is like has nothing to do with what we just talked about. But did you know? The Leafs had more regulation wins than Florida, three more. I never knew that. They need to reward teams for regulation wins a bit better because like the the three on three and the shootout is impacting the standings too much. And impacting They're, the scoring race. I was actually looking like I was I'm sorting through my awards ballot and I was just looking I wanted to see who led the league in three on three numbers. Guess who it is? I don't know. Is it Huberto and Barkov? It is Huberto. <laughs> He's got like eight yeah. three on three points. Well, anyway. I know. I mean, the Leafs went up against them in in overtime a couple of times, and like you watch them play, and it's like holy, like they they know what they're doing in that three on three. Like Barkov, I thought was unbelievable. Yeah, so they had forty one regulation wins and fifty four regulation overtime shootout wins. Mm. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Anyway, yeah. let's keep it moving. Let's get to Ron K. Hey, Ron. Ron, have we got you? Oh, hey, sorry about that, guys. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to say, big fan, James Jonas. Love you guys. Every time you guys release a podcast, it makes my week. Super excited <laughs> every time. You guys are the best. I have a question, less about the state of hockey and more about, I guess, organizational culture. Um, I'm super excited to have fans back in the building for the playoffs and to see what that atmosphere is like. I did notice I was down in Florida this weekend for the game for the Leafs Panthers game. And the crowd out there in Florida is just electric. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people on Twitter talking about how, you know, Leaf games are, they're kind of like a library a lot where the fans are pretty unengaged. And obviously that has so much to do with the fact that you basically have to be a millionaire to go to a Leaf game these days in Toronto. And I'm just kind of curious, like, do you, do you think that the organization like cares about that at all and has sees any sees any issue with that as a as a factor with the team because you look at Toronto as being the mecca of hockey and I would say that if you look at the actual atmosphere at a lot of Leaf games I mean it basically takes Matthew scoring his 60th goal to actually get a lot of people standing out of their seats and I've been to a lot of playoff games here too and they're definitely better than regular season games but still definitely doesn't compare to like other atmospheres around the league and I'm just curious like do you think that that's the kind of thing that 
that matters to the organization or are they just happy with with making the most money that they possibly can on these tickets it should it should matter to them you know i've talked about this a lot and i've I've talked about they they should have some sort of a supporter section in the stands or they they need to they need to think harder about this and I think some of the in-game operations could be improved. Jonas and I see it cuz we go around the league and you go to a game in Vegas and it's the atmosphere for even for a regular season game on like a Tuesday night is unbelievable and you go even like you know I mean you go to a playoff game in Boston or Philadelphia or in Montreal I mean it it's it's on another level and I think the organization should care more about this than it seems like they do because I haven't seen any evidence that they've they've worked hard to try and fix that problem. Yeah, thanks for the question, Ron, and thanks for the compliments. Um, I just don't. I think everything you said about the experience is is on point. It 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 really is disappointing a lot of the time. Like I was impressed with the reaction to Matthews getting sixty, but like even I remember back on opening night when they introduced the players, and it's just like. And like it should be louder. You go to other buildings, it's louder. But what do you do, James? Like, how do you? You said make a a section for, like, how do you do that? Do you just charge less? Like, how do you change that yeah, dynamic? Um, I don't know. Maybe how you, you do may, it. maybe you. I don't know. Like, you see, like some of the other arenas. Like, like I know Nashville's got like the the cell block block three hundred three, where like there's just like that one upper bowl section that's just like the crazies are up there and they're having a good time and they have sands, they have uh, signs and like. You know, chance. How do you and all ensure that of, those people get those tickets? Like, I don't know. Just, just you know create I mean? it. Create, create an atmosphere, and say to your season ticket holders, "Do you want to sit with the crazies, or do you want to sit where you normally sit?" And if you, <laughs> you know, you put your hand up, and you can, you put all the like the people that want to be loud, and and I think, don't you think that the the in game operations need to be better too? Like, it's 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 felt like it's like the same songs, the same things on the jumbotron. Even in Vegas, like the stuff they did in the intermissions was really dynamic and like they had Cirque du Soleil come and obviously that's Vegas, but like the Leafs are, if they're the Mecca, there's got to be something they can do. There's so many talented musicians and artists and all kinds of things in the city. Like try something different, do something different. Do you know what the the Raptors do that I actually don't know why they don't do with the Leafs? I I think that it has improved. I should say that. I don't know how, how much you've seen this, James. I'm sure What's some of the people listening though, have. No, they used to do some stuff that was very like kind of like not becoming of a team of their stature. Like they used to do like when they were playing the Sabres, they would do Buffalo's greatest fans or something. And then it would be like a blooper reel. It was just like <laughs> stuff that just kind of like tacky. Um, yeah, that was bad. But I don't know if you've seen when they introduced the Raptors starting lineup. It's really cool what they do. Like they have someone introducing each player with like their own specific intros and it like he 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 gets at center court and it's it's hype and it's live and I just don't know why you wouldn't do something similar with the Leafs. Obviously you've you've written about the song, the goal song should be better and the goal song is not good. I don't know anyone who actually likes that goal song, so that's like one thing. The other um, thing I find frustrating too, Jonas, is that no one at MLSE will talk to us about this stuff. Like I've asked before to interview people and, and talk about game operations, and like it's it's so difficult to get the organization to engage on these things, or they just they just don't seem willing to. You know, the goal song I asked to talk to people, and it's like it's good good luck. I mean, we've talked about we've tried to write about the ice quality in the past. We've tried to talk to them, and they won't talk to us. So it's a little bit frustrating that it's 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 hard to. Sometimes for us to get, you know, just just have a discussion with them on what they're thinking when it comes to some of these kinds of things. 
All right, let's keep moving. Let's get to Chad M. Hi, Chad. Hey, guys. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank uh, you. I also want to say that I am one of the people who actually loves the Goal song. I love Hall & Oates. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Um, I like Hall & Oates, too, but like they ruined that song for me. I still like that song. Yeah, you know, I think it's been there for so long that it was uncool for a bit, but now it's becoming cool again as people like older music now. But anyways, my question is, um, you know, assuming everyone is healthy and, and I guess maybe don't include Kasha in that because it seems like he won't be playing. But assuming everyone else is healthy up front, including bunting, what does your ideal top nine forwards look like? And does it have William Nylander on the third line? Not with John Tavares. That's a tough. One, I can take it, this, Jonas? game. Oh, I've thought. Yeah, I've I mean, well, why don't you start us off and I'll of comment on what you say? Yeah, so I think the way that they're going now is the way that they should be going. Um, they've been playing obviously for the last month with having Tavares and Neander on separate lines, and the thinking was like create a little bit more scoring depth. And and obviously Tavares and Neander just hadn't been very effective together. They are going back to Tavares playing with Neander. For game one, it looks like Sheldon Keefe said today that that's the way he's leaning. The difference, and I like this, is they're going to have Ilya Mikheyev, I think, playing with those guys. So I think what you're looking at is bunting Matthews Marner, Mikheyev, Tavares, Nylander, and then your third line is likely going to be Engvall, Kampf, and Kerfoot. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I think if something doesn't work, you can kind of move some of those guys around. Kerfoot's obviously played basically everywhere. Um, but I like that. I think you can use Kerfoot, Camp, and Engvall in the defensive zone. I think you can use them against Tampa's top line here and there. I like that look, and I'll be interested to see how Neander and Tavares perform when they're back together regularly. Uh, what do you think of that, James? Uh, do you think, Jonas, that they've been testing the last little while? They've been testing having Neander in a different line just so that it's something that they can think yes. about an op yeah it, it, yeah and I, they and want I, the and option I, and, and keith even said that today they want the option and this is something listen like you, you i give you credit every time on this like experimenting is something that they've really taken to heart this year for those situations in the playoffs when something isn't working you have the ability to change because let's say they had just kept on through the past month kept neander and Tavares together even though it was not working now you get into the playoffs and it's still not working and you haven't tried anything else. At least right. now, if it doesn't work, you can say, well, we've played Neander with Kampf and Engvall. Let's, let's do that well, instead. And the other thing too, Jonas, is it looked like it kind of worked, didn't it? Like it looked like, it, like yeah. they had some games, they had some games where they played really well. The numbers, the last time I checked for Kampf, Engvall, or yeah, Camp Engvall and Neander were not particularly great. I don't really like that. I just don't think. I think it it diminishes both lines. Like I, I think it takes mm -hmm. away the defensive usefulness of Camp Engvall Mikheyev, and then it kind of diminishes Tavares a little bit because it leaves him without a I've, high end I've playmaker. Liked, I've liked when they've had Kerfoot centering Neander like they did in the playoffs last year, and for whatever reason, that seemed like it worked pretty well. So I think that'll be kept in their back pocket now in case, like if they get into the series and they're just getting nothing from the rest of their lineup, that's now an option that they can go to and they can move camp down and um, they have some flexibility. I think like we talk about coaching and we talk about the fourth line, one of the interesting decisions decisions that Sheldon Keefe is going to have to 
make and consistently figure out is what to do on the fourth line, like which guys to play. Like I, I kind of think they're just going to rotate those guys in and out. Would be my guess. Does that include Abruzzi? Does that include Robertson? No. no, I think Robertson is like on the table. I would think. I don't think Abruzzi is an option unless like they don't have another choice. I think so Blackwell. I, Blackwell's on your fourth line with Spezza and and uh, either Simmons or Clifford. Yeah, and, and statistically, like I was looking through some of their fourth line combinations with Blackwell, the one that's worked best statistically is Clifford Blackwell Spezza. Which hmm. is interesting. I think Clifford's actually played pretty well down the stretch, and they really want to have. I hate Clifford's really good defensively. I hate some of the penalties he takes. Like he's taken some of the dumbest penalties of anyone in the whole league, or sorry, the whole season this year for the Leafs. Yeah, I can't fight you on that. But one thing that they do want, James, is they want to have. They don't want to have to play Jason Spets at center. That seems very, very, very clear. Well, and understandably, I think that like he's. I think that's wise. Yeah. They're probably going to want Simmons in the lineup for game one, don't you think? I mean, if you if you asked me to guess, I would say yes, but Spezza, Simmons, and Blackwell, I don't think has actually worked very well. But yeah. I mean, game one, like he's one of their guys, like he's he's obviously important in the locker room uh, competitively. So maybe we'll see. And uh, he's played keep- better since they, they, they sat him for those games. And I think Simmons has played a little bit better since that, that point getting that. Well, rest that's seems to have rejuvenated him a bit. That's one of the things to keep in mind is, and, and why you might rotate guys is those older guys will do better if they're not playing every other night. So if you play, let's say you played Simmons in game one, maybe you don't play him in game two because it'll be two nights later, but you play him in game three because he's likely to look a little fresher playing four days later or whatever it is. Um, anyway, let's keep it moving. Let's get to Zach C. Hi, Zach. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah we got you. Awesome. Thanks. I was going to use the first time, long time joke, but someone used it <laughs> immediately before me. So you can, uh, you can <laughs> use it. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, big fan. So, so thanks for doing this, guys. This is cool. Um, so I, I don't really know how to kind of tangibly describe this, but I feel like this is maybe a little bit more of a mature team than we've seen in the past. And I guess that comes naturally from the players kind of, you know, the core aging into their primes. Um, but we've kind of mm-hmm. seen, you know, them own up to things more and Keith kind of called them out more than we've seen in, in previous times when they've they've played poorly. And, you know, that's both this year and kind of acknowledging the lack of success in the past. Um, and, you know, people kind of talk about the caps and how many times they've come up short before they got over the hump. But it feels like there might be a little bit of a different energy around the team this year. Um, and like they've got a chip on their shoulder. And do you guys get a sense from kind of being closer to the team that the these kind of previous falterings, I guess, to to put it charitably, are starting to stack up and can maybe light a fire under the team and give them a little bit of more of an edge in the playoffs this year. That's a good question, Zach James. I think we're seeing a little bit more of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they shouldn't be intimidated by the moment anymore. I mean, I was surprised that they were last year against Montreal. I mean, I I I mistakenly wrote the column you know, after game four against Montreal, is like this. there's kind of a different vibe around the team and it feels like there's a different level of confidence and obviously it didn't end the way that <laughs> that series didn't end up playing out the way that they wanted it to. Um, but the maturity is there and they've continued to add players like Brody and Giordano and, you know, the average age of this team now is is has climbed significantly to where this isn't really a young team anymore. You know, they only have, I believe they only have two players on entry-level contracts and Sandine's not going to be in the lineup so they're only going to have Lilgren there. It's 
it's it's not a young lineup. It's really not. And they shouldn't be intimidated by the moment. They they should be mature. They should be able to step up and play in a series like this. Yeah, and you know what I would add, James, is is the maturity is an important thing. Like they're just older. Like they've just been around long. Like Marner and Matthews have now been in the league a while. And I I don't know. I was struck by this when I talked to Neilander in the fall. And and we were talking about his reaction to the playoffs, and I I I think he he basically said for like two weeks after the playoffs he was just like so ticked, and it was the same thing obviously with Marner, you know, some stuff that he had to kind of work through, and he's talked about some of that, and I just think they're they're more experienced, they they've kind of been through a lot of different situations now they've grown as players you can just feel it like you can just feel how they are around their teammates how they are with the media like they're just they've grown up from where they were which is what happens like time has passed like matthews is still what is he he's still only 24 like he won't be 25 until the fall so you think back to some of those previous series like they're still pretty pretty young uh going through some of that stuff unrelated james this is something i actually wanted to ask you I think Mark Giordano is actually better, a better defenseman overall than Jake Muzzin. Wouldn't it make sense if that is true and you believe that's true, which I do, to play him more and in harder situations than Muzzin? Or am I galaxy braining this? Well, it's been interesting because, you know, I was I was actually looking at this before for something I'm working on for the series preview. And Giordano has always been like a top four, 22, 23 minutes a night. He won the Norris Trophy three years ago. He's old. Like there's, you know, he's 38 years old. He's he's one of the oldest players in the NHL, but he's still got game. And he he doesn't skate as well as he used to. He's not as good an offensive player as he used to be. He's still a really good defenseman defensively. So yeah. I guess the thing is if you play him with Lilgren, there's going to be a reluctance to give him those top 4 minutes. So that could potentially be an argument to play him but- with someone else. Yeah. What you could do, James, is you could play him with Brody and you could play Muzzin with Lilligren on your third pair. Yeah, they haven't really played Giordano and Brody a lot together, which has surprised me. I thought that that was going to be part of the reason they were going to make the trade and they were going to go that direction. Well, they didn't have a choice. They they needed Brody to play the left side. Like They didn't have options. Right. So right. I don't know. No, like, that's I, just something I, I actually Giordano's think- Giordano's been better than I was expecting. Like I had, I, I heard from some people around the league and coaches around the league and they're like, oh, he's just, he's not the same player that he was. And, but he's, he's been real, real solid. But I mean, part of that probably is that they're, they've only been playing him. What's he, he's been getting like 18 minutes a night kind of thing with yeah. the Leafs. Like he, yeah. he hasn't been playing as much as he did in, in Seattle or Calgary. Uh, let's keep it moving. Let's get to Jeremy K. Jeremy, have we got you yet? We got you. Oh yeah. Sorry. I just, uh, I was wondering why there isn't more noise made around the league about uh, the the tax discrepancy. When you see it takes like Tavares is making his eleven and he's making just over, or his net pays just roughly over about five, and you've got Kucherov at nine and a half and he's making almost six uh, take home pays. So I'm just wondering why there isn't maybe more noise made by the teams that are affected by that. This is uh, yes, this is something James and I have discussed. James, we were talking about this today at all. Yeah, literally. <laughs> we were today. talking about this today. I just, I don't know how the league fixes that. Like, are they going to adjust the cap based on the tax situation in different markets? It, it all of a sudden you get into like it's almost like a political. It, it it it's it's a tricky one. 
you know, and I know it works against the Leafs, but there was other things about about the way that the cap is that that work for the Leafs and that they can pay their support staff more and things like that. And there's there's more endorsements for a lot of the Leafs players, so they make more money on the side and they have their their faces on billboards and things like that. So I think that if I had to answer this from the league's perspective, and I, they've never said this because I don't think they want to piss anyone off, but I think that the league the league office kind of likes that it's like an equalizer for teams like Nashville and 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 Dallas and Tampa and some of the other low tax states it's you know those are in they're in non-traditional markets it kind of gives them a little bit of a boost i believe in a soft cap james yeah well it it ain't going to happen unless they get a new commissioner who thinks it it's it should happen well eventually they'll get a new commissioner won't they i don't know maybe he'll just like, be like find a, a way a robot they'll find a way to like slowly turn him into more and more of his body into a robot's body and then he can just be a commissioner forever yeah. <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving. Uh, is it Loki? Am I saying that right? Uh, it's just Loki. It's just a, a nickname. Okay, Loki. Uh, yeah. Um, this is kind of a question that's like outside of hockey and the playoffs and everything, but I was curious on your guys' opinion on um, – because I was just recently thinking back on like the whole Rocky Wirtz kind of debacle and that, that event, and then I think there was some – a couple times this year, I think Drysaddle Sidle and Blake Wheeler kind of had some like snipes at reporters and people in the room. And I was curious on how do you guys like manage those kind of relationships with players um, when that kind of stuff happens? Like, I don't know if it's happened to you guys personally, or if you have a close colleague where it happens to like, does do relationships get, get strained between colleagues and, players that you would outside of COVID normally have to interact with when those kind of things happen. Thanks. It's a good question. Thanks, Lockie. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's always going to be interactions that play out differently than sometimes you picture them or, or sometimes someone takes a question the wrong way. I used to run into that with Ron Wilson. It it felt like the most, you know, he, he would, I would ask him a question and he would take it in like a very kind of negative way. And there would be, sometimes he'd be really harsh responding to it. Um, I know Jonas, you've had, you've had situations with players too, where, and I think what you try and do is you try and explain yourself, you know, when the camera stop rolling or the microphone's not on and you try and have a conversation and say, look, I'm, I'm not trying to be unfair. I'm just trying to, you know, do my job and ask a question. And here's the kind of story that I'm trying to do. And, I think for the most part, Jonas and I have pretty good relationships with most of the players, but it was certainly for me personally, it was a lot more strained when the team was not very good. And uh, there there were definitely some players that, that weren't big fans of things that I was writing at that point. And um, sometimes you would, you would get some attitude in the dressing room. I think the difficulty too is the coach's press conference, it's a little bit theatery. Like it's not really real in some ways because like you're, it's, being recorded and you know he's on camera and you're you're kind of like it's not really yeah. really a real conversation like you can't it's not a good place you, to get into a debate you know it's well you know, you like exactly you can't really you can't explain yourself and what you know yeah. it's just not normal it's not the way you would normally interact with someone and learn something so it's not it can be awkward and you you yeah it's it's not the That's best why, place to be able to learn no that's it, it yeah you know a lot of times the Jonas and I like to have conversations with the athletes and the people around the team and 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 go a bit more in depth. And when you're in a press conference setting, which we've largely been in the last two years, 
you can't, it's hard to have a, a real conversation. It's not really a conversation. It's like you shouting a question with a whole bunch of people around and, you know, and if yes. your question's taken the wrong way, then it, <laughs> then it can, can spiral in the wrong way for you. So, you know, um, I would greatly prefer that you could just go in the dressing room and like sit down next to a guy for 20 minutes and have a conversation. And hopefully we're going to get back to that spot again. All right, let's keep it moving. Let's get to Emma H. Hi, Emma. Oh, hi, Jonas. Hi, James. Hello. Thanks for joining. Um, so my question was, um, so there's four players. It's uh, Riley, Brody, Kerfer, and Kemp who are all sitting on 81 games. And uh, seeing news out of like practice and the presses today, it doesn't look like any of them are sitting tomorrow. Um, so I was just wondering, are you concerned that they're not being rested? Or is playing a complete season like a cool milestone that the coach would want to allow the guys to reach? I saw a stat today that uh, Riley's played 20 more minutes than anyone else on the team this season. And although I'd love him to play a full season, uh, part of me wants him to rest as well. So I'd like your yeah. thoughts. Good question. Thanks, Emma. James? The, the Leafs are limited somewhat in that they only have so many players. You know, like they, they, you're limited how many recalls you can make after the trade deadline. So they can't sit everybody. Because they can't just play half a Marley's roster, so I, I, part of this is they can't re- they can't they can't sit everybody for that game against Boston. So some guys are going to play eighty two games, you know, and that's the way that the CB is set, is set up. The Leafs still have to make sure they're cap compliant, and that's part of why you're not seeing more players rested for the game against Boston. Yeah, the thing like Emma brought up Riley, he's the guy I would have liked to have found a way to sit. I think it makes a thousand percent sense to sit Matthews, to sit Marner, to sit Campbell, especially. But Riley's like, I'm looking at the minutes now and Emma touched on it. Riley's played 1,927 minutes. Number two on the Leafs is TJ Brody at 1,731. And obviously Mm -hmm. Brody's another guy, like ideally you would be able to sit, but like they want to play him with Muzzin. They want to give that a little bit more time. And like you said, you can't sit everyone, but it's not I mean, ideally, if you could just wipe away this game, they would. The good news is that they've only had two games in this this final week. Like, that's allowed them to get some rest. It's allowed them to get some practice time. You know, I know the schedule was brutal the week before, but at least this final week, it's like a game against Detroit that doesn't really matter and a game against Boston that doesn't really matter. And, you know, they they rest. They should be relatively well-rested going into the playoffs, at least as well as you can be in a season like this where it was super condensed. Yeah, and the benefit for them is like they'll play Friday and then they'll have Saturday off and then Sunday they'll practice and then they'll play Monday. So it's not like they only have one day between games, but I mean, it's cool for some of these guys to to be able to play all 82 for sure. Um, yeah, and it looks like they're all four. Camp, Kerfoot, Riley, and Brody, like Emma mentioned. Uh, let's keep it moving. We got time for a few more. Let's get to Mark Yu. Hi, Mark. Hey, guys. How's it going? We're great. great. Thanks for doing this. Your, your, your talk about the Leafs going into the playoffs really makes me feel more positive uh, going into the <laughs> series with, with Tampa. But I, I have to default back to my, my natural Leafs brain and ask a question. If they do happen to get bounced in about five games or so and their stars don't show up, what, what kind of changes are we looking at in the offseason? Are we talking about just... Are we looking at management? Uh, are we looking at like the core? I assume Matthews isn't going anywhere. JT's got no move. Riley just signed a contract. So what what, what could they possibly do? 
I, I think it's a bit early for those conversations. I understand why the questions, but like we need to see what happens here and we need to see how the series plays out. I think there are things they could do to substantially change the roster and free up cap space. And I mean, they could change what they're doing in goal. They could have two different goalies next year. They could change what's happening on the blue line. They could trade a significant piece from the blue line. Uh, and they could change what's happening up front, you know, and I think with the seasons they've had, you keep Marner and Matthews and you keep John Tavares because, uh, you know, he's your captain. He's got the no movement clause. There's a lot of other things that would be fair game to be changed, but it's really going to depend how the playoffs play out here. And But what I would say, though, is I think that Sheldon Keefe has answered every question that people have had about him this season. They've got 113 points. They could end the year with 115. And I think for the most part, Kyle Dubas has done a really good job of putting a good team on the ice. You know, a couple small mistakes, but largely the team continues to get better the longer that this coach GM duo is is with the franchise. And those are those are positives for the organization. All right, James, we have time for one more question and then we gotta go. So let's get to Jeremy P. Hey Jeremy. Hey guys, thanks for doing this session. Um, my question is around uh, the investment and in performance performance coaching this year. How do you think that kind of plays out in the playoffs? If, you know, say they're down one nothing after the first game. Do Do you mean like Greg? Do you mean Greg Harden, like the the kind of sports psychologist? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was smart of them to invest in that area. I think that the the organization needed to beef up what they were doing there and. The players that we've been able to talk to about Greg Harden's influence, for people that don't know, Greg Harden has worked with Tom Brady, Michael Phelps, some really big name athletes and helped them and they swear by his methodology. And the Leafs the Leafs made a big time investment in bringing him in. And he's established really close relationships with, with Jack Campbell, uh, with Mitch Marner. Uh, I've seen him spending time with when Ilya Mikheyev was injured this year. He was spending time with him in the player's box, uh, Wayne Simmons. You know, he's, we, we're not behind the scenes as much as we are in a normal year, but from what we've heard from the players, they, they speak very highly of his methods. Well, and I would add, it's not Greg Harden related, but some of the stuff with their development and performance team, like stuff they do before practice, after practice, it's constant and you can see it working. Um, Ilya Mikheyev, you've noticed how much better he's gotten in the way he shoots the puck. Uh, his confidence, his deception. That's something that they worked on. Mitch Marner, like one of the things he mentioned to me in the fall was he started working with Daryl Belfry, who's one of their development coaches for the first time in the offseason last year. On his shot was part of the work that they did. You're seeing the results of that. So all that stuff beyond the salary cap that they can pay money to um, helps. Um, so yeah, that's all I got. James? I agree, Jonas. This Thanks, was fun. James. This was <laughs> fun. Thank you to everyone for asking questions and participating. We should probably we should probably do one during the uh during the playoffs at some point if we can fit it in. I mean I would it would be great to do one after a game. The problem is we're always working until the middle of the night. So um it could be potentially something that we turn on at the end of the series or like the next morning after the series is over or something like that. Sure. And and I should let everyone know who's listening. And if you've missed some of this, we're going to post this as a podcast, a Leaf Report podcast um, right away after this is done. So check that out if you want to listen back or you miss part or whatever. 
and and thank you as always uh, for listening to the podcast. We're going to keep hammering, hammering out podcasts throughout the playoffs. Um, that's the plan, James. Uh, anything to close us out? You're looking ahead to Game One. You're you're pumped. You're amped. Playoffs. All How's right. That? that that should take us out. Thank you to everyone for listening. <laughs> and uh, again, if you want to listen back, check out the podcast. And thanks. Enjoy uh, the first round. <laughs>